Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H dot com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'll be joined by Megan Hill today to discuss the importance of the local church. Stick around for this topic and our visits, and you can reach me anytime at this email address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at IntegrityCounselingGroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Support for The Plumb Line is provided by these fine business sponsors, Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for The Plumb Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. On today's edition of The Plumb Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm excited to be joined by Megan Hill. Megan is the managing editor for the Gospel Coalition. She's also a pastor's wife, and I've read somewhere, too, the daughter of a pastor, too. So a lot of connections to being involved with the local church, which is going to be our subject here. She's even written a book about this. What we're going to be talking about is we'll be looking at some articles that you can find at thegospelcoalition.org, especially for this first of a two-part show here, so you can look these up at thegospelcoalition.org as we discuss the importance and value of the local church. Welcome to the broadcast, Megan. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Jay. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to this discussion. Here's a topic that I have not discussed yet on the plumb line, and looking forward to it because I think it is of great value, especially coming off uh, the pandemic here. And I want to start there because I found it quite intriguing that the articles of many that you've written about this, and, and your book as well, all from what I saw, for the most part anyway, the vast majority of them came out right during the pandemic, didn't they? Yes. So, you know, the thing about writing a book is that it takes, you know, sometimes two, sometimes three years from the time you start writing it until it's actually published. And so two years before the pandemic, I signed a contract for a book on the local church and began writing it and then turned it in, you know, a year before the pandemic. And then it was scheduled to come out in, I think, April or May of that year when the pandemic descended upon us. And so, yeah, at the time I was sort of shaking my head thinking, this is a terrible timing. Nobody wants to read a book on the church when we're all live streaming from our homes and not able to go to church. And and yet I feel like the Lord was gracious in that. And I had a number of people reach out and say, I was really missing my church. And so reading your book gave me an opportunity to remember 
what I love about it and look forward to going back. Yeah, I can see it being a benefit, really, because, yeah, people were locked up, too, and they maybe had more time to read. And so, yeah, A Place to Belong is the title of it. And I imagine here that a lot of the articles flow from that book, or maybe the articles flowed into the book. But what we're going to be looking at here to start off is an article that, as I mentioned, people can find at thegospelcoalition.org called What's Special About Church? And in this, as well as many other articles you've done, you kind of highlight the fact that it's important. And I think a good place to start is, you know, some people came through the pandemic and found that, uh, hey, I like this live stream thing and be able to just sit in my pajamas at home and watch church. And, you know, for a season, it, it fulfilled its purpose. And a lot of churches, of course, have kept the live streaming going. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a live streaming. But if that's all you're doing for worship, there's a problem in that, isn't there? Yeah, so I do think that it's clear uh, from Scripture that God's people are meant to be together and that there is something that the Lord does among us when we're together and that He promises to do with us together that's for our spiritual benefit that we can't get on our own. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't things that are hard about going to church. You know, I mean, part of the reason why it's so appealing to stay home and live stream is because the church is full of sinners. And, you know, when we come, there are people who are going to, whether it's rub us the wrong way or sin against us or overlook us, there's going to be things that happen that are hard things in the church. You know, we're going to have pastors who are not perfect men, and we're going to have experiences in worship that are not sort of what we would think. And if you have children, you've got squirming kids in the pew next to you, and you have to figure out how to care for them. And so there are things that are hard about the church. And so on one level, we kind of understand why it's easier not to be there. And yet, at the same time, it seems to be the testimony of Scripture that it's worth it, that even the hard thing is worth doing for our own spiritual good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, we're going to get into that quite a bit here. I want to bring up a key verse in this whole subject in just a second here. But before I do that, as you were right at the beginning of your comment there, the thing that popped into my head is that little uh, anecdote about uh, if you ever find the perfect church, uh, it's not perfect any longer because you're going there now or something like that is how it goes, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. The church is perfect until you join it or something. Yes, exactly. We bring our own sin and our own struggles and our own weaknesses to the church as well. Yeah, and we need to recognize that that's why we'll not find the perfect church, because as you said right at the beginning, this church is full of sinners, and many of those sinners are redeemed sinners, and the blood of Jesus Christ has paid for their sin, but they continue to struggle with that sin. And many others there, at least hopefully many others there, are yet not redeemed, and they are going there to learn the gospel and to hear it, and hopefully come to faith in Jesus Christ. Hopefully there's you know a healthy number of those, too, that are in the process of coming to faith in Christ. Some are in the process of sanctification. Others are, you know, just learning about Christ and hopefully going to come to faith in Him. In fact, as I say that, um, let's take this opportunity maybe to, as we talk about the importance of church, it's multifunction. Churches have the role of building up and edifying the body, those who are already believers, but also the function of leading those who might come through the doors to faith in Christ. And so what does that look like? You know, someone comes in, they don't know the Lord Jesus, and What does it look like for them to come to faith in him? Yeah, so the Bible is quite clear that all people are sinners and that our sin cuts us off 
from relationship with God because God is holy. And so he can't have a relationship with sinners. And so the problem of our sin has to be dealt with in some way. And the Lord graciously provided the Lord Jesus, who was God, to become man and to live a life of perfect obedience on earth, the the perfect obedience that none of us can do. And then to die on the cross, though he didn't sin at all, he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. So that then when we look to him in faith, when we say, Jesus, I have sinned in my heart and I can't fix this sin problem, but you lived a perfect life and you died and then you rose again on my behalf and I trusted you. Then when we come to him in faith, then the Lord has a relationship with us, enters into a relationship with us through the blood of Christ. And we can live in his presence and he gives us his spirit to dwell in us, to teach us about him and also to lead us in paths of holiness that are pleasing to him. Mm, Yeah, it's as simple as that. Uh, Repent and believe doesn't take us real long to share that message of the gospel. The good news is what gospel means, and because that's what's encompassed, understanding you're a sinner, agreeing with God, and then turning. Uh, Changing your mind is basically what repentance is. Instead of going full bore into the sinful lifestyle that you have lived, God gives you the grace and the power and the ability to turn, to repent, and come to him in faith. And when you do that, and you believe in the Lord Jesus who took your sin upon himself on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin, and then he rose from the dead, victorious over sin and over death, and now you can live eternally with him and have forgiveness of sins when you repent and believe. If this message is, maybe you still have some more questions, maybe this is all brand new to you as you tune in here to the Plum Line. Well, friend and the listening audience, I want to reach out and connect with you. You need to reach out to me first, and then I will reach back and connect with you. If you email the plumb line radio at gmail.com. Remember, plumb is P L U M B. There's a B at the end of the word plumb. The plumb line radio at gmail.com. I'd love to connect and uh, go over this gospel message. Nothing would make me rejoice more, and I'm sure my guest Megan as well, than if we heard that someone came to faith in Christ through uh, the gospel message here on the plumb line. Well, now I want to move back to that verse that I was going to bring up uh, right at the beginning here. It comes from Hebrews chapter 10 and probably is the most familiar or well-known of all verses when we talk about the importance of church attendance or gathering together as believers. Uh, It says, "...not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." I think that's the ESV translation there. Uh, Lots of other translations are, are of course, very similar, but uh, the point being is that we who are believers in Jesus Christ need to gather together in person for multiple purposes, one of those being encouraging one another, and certainly we can encourage one another without being, you know, right next to the other person, but I think that the point is made here that this is done in physical proximity to one another, isn't it? Yeah, you know how it is in your relationships, you talk to somebody on the phone, or you text them, or you see their posts on social media, and you think, oh, everything's fine, they're fine, and then you actually see them. And you notice they're kind of downcast or they're not smiling like they usually do or not laughing or, you know, sort of their shoulders are kind of slumped over. And you think, oh, you know, it seems like everything looks fine, but I 
I don't think everything's fine. And then you have an opportunity to go over to them and to find out what their needs are and how you can help them and encourage them. And I think it works the other way too, that somebody can text you, Hey, I'm praying for you. I hope you're doing well. And that's encouraging to you on one level, but how much sweeter is it when that person comes over to you in person, comes to your house, sees you in worship, you know, comes and puts an arm around you if that's appropriate to your relationship and says, hey, I can see that you're struggling. You know, can I pray for you right now? Or let me tell you this thing that I think will be helpful to you. Or let me tell you how I've seen Christ working in you, how you've blessed me, even though you're having a hard time. You know, those are things that are best done when we're there together and sharing a life together and worshiping the Lord together. I think we also just encourage one another in our worship. You know, on Sunday morning when we come together and you're standing there and you're singing the song or the hymn, And the person next to you is singing, you know, we stir one another up to worship when we're praying in worship together. And you hear the person next to you say, amen, you know, that, that moves your heart to say amen and to join your heart to the prayer. And so I think we encourage one another in that way too, when we're together, whereas when you're by yourself on your couch or whatever, you know, it's hard to stir your heart to worship when you don't have people around you who are stirred to worship as well. And that leads so beautifully into exactly where we want to go here, which is this article, What's So Special About Church? And you quote from a 17th century Puritan author, David Clarkson, who in his sermon entitled Public Worship to be Preferred Before Private helps to establish the priority of church worship. And so we're going to move into that after the break here. I just mentioned that to kind of lead us into where we're going next. Let's break from this conversation for a moment and let me encourage encourage you in the listening audience as you hear from the advertisers, Christian-owned businesses that support the Plum Line. I would love it if you would support them. I, I need you to reach out to them and let them know that you appreciate their support because it is those uh, businesses that you hear on the Plum Line that make it possible for the show to air in your area. They pay for the airtime so it can be on the radio in your area. And uh, as this show expands all around the country, more and more advertisers come on board. Maybe you're a person who owns a Christian business and you'd like to be an advertiser on the Plum Line, I would encourage you to do that. And you can reach out to me at this email address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. And we can talk about that. You can reach out at that address for any reason. Share your thoughts, comments, questions about the broadcast, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Stay tuned. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Bat at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. 
Thanks for tuning in to The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, I'm joined by Megan Hill. She's the managing editor of the Gospel Coalition. And we're turning to the gospelcoalition.org website for some of our discussion here because Megan has a number of columns about our topic, which is the importance and value of the local church from a biblical perspective. What's so special about church is the title of the article. And as we went to the break, I mentioned a sermon from the 17th century called Public Worship to be Preferred Before Private. And you refer in your article to some of the points made there by a Puritan, David Clarkson. And we were just kind of leading right into these with your last comment about the importance of public versus private worship. Now, there are certainly good things, and the Bible does talk about and show a lot of times where people on their own, you know, will go into their prayer closet and pray and worship and things by themselves and the peace of their own home, and all those things are, are valuable. But there's a statement made coming from one of Clarkson's points that the Lord is more glorified by public worship than private. I found that pretty intriguing or interesting statement, so I wanted to have you comment on that first, if you would. Yeah, so Clarkson does say the Lord is more glorified by public worship than private. And I think you make a good point that it's not that the Lord doesn't want us to worship him in private. He wants us to be continually in worship before him and to be praying and to be giving praise to him and having a word of praise always on our lips. And so the Lord loves that when his people praise him in private. But there is something about the assembly of God's people that gives a special glory to God. And I think that comes from a few different places. There's a proverb that says, in the multitude of people is the glory of a king. You know, that how do you know that a king is important? Well, it's because he has a whole nation that's under him. And, you know, how is it that the president of our own country here in the U.S. is one of the leaders of the world, a global leader? Well, he's a global leader because he has a powerful people, because he has a powerful and significant people who make up his nation, right? And so the fact that when God's people gather together in the church, they glorify God because here, this is sort of a visible testimony. Here are God's people all gathered together. And we're saying, you know what? God is great because he has this people. We think even of, you know, in Revelation, that beautiful picture of the multitude gathered before the throne, the people from every tribe and nation and language that no man can number, uh, the Apostle John says. And so that's sort of the ultimate revelation of God's multiple people glorifying him. But we see little glimpses of that here on earth. I think also it's a testimony to the world. You know, when the people in your community, the unbelievers in your community on Sunday morning, they're headed off to the beach or they're headed off to grandma's house or off to Home Depot to get supplies for their home project or whatever, and they drive past or they walk past your church. And there, you know, in your church is a parking lot full of cars or a group of people gathered together. Well, there's a public testimony that happens there. Even those unbelievers sort of notice, they might not have spiritual eyes to see, but look, those people are getting together and they're getting together to worship their God. And it gives public testimony to the greatness of our God in a way that our sort of private prayers in our prayer closet don't give that same public testimony. 
Yeah, certainly. And I just thinking as you were sharing that about, you know, the the tent revival type services in some churches when they're in good climates, they'll do outdoor services and I think that's part of the reason so people can see mm-hmm. people gathering mm-hmm. together and that's the purpose too of, you know, I think of baptism. Why are baptisms most often done publicly for that very reason too. So, yeah, I can see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I just think We can't overestimate the value of God's people coming together and who knows, you know, what spiritual fruit it might bring. What I I know even in our own church, we've had a number of unbelievers who come to worship just because they were driving by and it was Sunday morning and they thought, oh, here's a church. Let's go in and see what's going on. And so that does bring glory to the Lord when we have that public testimony. Mm, Yeah. Well, the second one of these points that is brought up is there is more of the Lord's presence in public worship than in private. And so expound upon that a bit, if you would. Yeah. So we don't always feel close to God in public worship. You know, you have your parents, you've got wiggling kids next to you. If you're a musician, you probably notice the off notes and the wrong tempos that are taking place in the music. If you're a pastor yourself, you might think, oh, this sermon that I'm preaching is not very good. You know, there are often things in public worship that don't necessarily make us feel close to the Lord. And yet, I think in all things, we're not ruled by our feelings, but we're ruled by what the Word of God says is true. And it seems like the Bible teaches us that God is especially pleased to be among his people when they gather together. You know, the New Testament calls the church the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of God. And it's that the Lord promises to be there, to be among his people when they gather together. And then the verse in Matthew 18 that's familiar to many, you know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them, that Christ promises his presence with his people when they gather together. And so I think we can take that to worship, you know, on those days when we don't feel like being there, when we don't feel like the Lord is near, we can take those promises to him and say, but Lord, you promised that you would be there. You promised that this is the dwelling place of your spirit. You promised that you minister to us by your word and by the ministers of your gospel who preach your word. And you promised that you hear our prayers and our praises. And you promise that you will be there. We can take those promises to him, and then we can look for him to be present and to do his work when we're gathered. Mm, another note on this second point here, and we're not going to have time to get into uh, another column that I was hoping to get more into, Your Church is Your Family is the name of that column that people can read at the thegospelcoalition.org, but that kind of fits in with this point as well, because this is where the church is where we're brought into this loving circle of God's family, Yes. The scripture uses a number of metaphors for the church. It's called a family. It's called a body. Um, but kind of this idea of all of us with our various personalities, our various gifts, our various abilities, and yet we come together. And in coming together, you know, we're sort of more than the sum of our parts, just as in a family or just as in a body. As each one contributes what they can do and the gifts that they have been given, it builds up the whole thing. 
Yeah, and that leads right into point number three, which will wrap things up here nicely for us. It's public worship is more edifying than private. In private, you provide for your own good, but in public, you do good both to yourselves and others. Again, these three points come from quotes basically out of a sermon from the 17th century by Puritan David Clarkson, and people can find these at the uh, gospelcoalition.org website in this article, What's So Special About Church, written by my guest Megan Hill. But sum this up, I guess, or wrap this up, up by sharing about this statement here that public worship is more edifying than private. Yeah, so when you come to church with other people, you get the benefit of worshiping with other people. And so also when you sing, you know, you're helping other people to sing. As we said earlier, you know, when you say amen to something that the Lord has used in your heart, you're encouraging other people that there's something of value there. Even just by your own act of saying, I'm not going to go to the beach. Sunday morning, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be there for those people. You are caring for them and saying, you people in my church are more important to me than anything else I could be doing this morning. And so I'm going to commit to being here. And so we serve one another in that way. Mm, Yeah. And our service is worship to our God when we serve him and we do the works that he has made for us to do, as it talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, We are God's workmanship and created in Christ Jesus to do those good works that he has appointed beforehand for us to do. That's a form of worship as well. And so all of this is kind of encompassed together within the public sphere of the local church, which we hopefully all attend. And if you're someone who maybe this is kind of all new to you here, this whole aspect about going to church, you've stepped maybe through the church door on Christmas once or Easter once or twice or something like that, I do encourage you to reach out and contact me. I can put you in connection, I'm sure, with Megan as well to discuss more about this great value and benefit and importance of the local church. That's our subject from a biblical worldview on the plumb line. My guest, Megan Hill, and we're going to tackle this from some other facets or aspects on the next edition of the plumb line. It's going to have to wrap up things for this one, but I do encourage you to return and join me for the next edition. And you can reach out to me via email at this address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Love to speak with you more about the importance of the local church and maybe even point you the direction of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church in your area as it's also vastly important that you attend a church that is scripturally sound and teaching the true authority and inerrancy of the scriptures. So a lot more to come here as we'll discuss some of those things on the next edition. Again, my email is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com.